At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Traina. Thanks so much for listening. Got a great show this week. We have Jason McCourty from the NFL Network's Good Morning Football. First time he's on the SI Media Podcast, and we talk about his first year Good Morning Football and uh, replacing Nate Burleson, and he gets into some stories when he played for the Patriots, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, little NFL playoff talks, and a little overall career sort of interview and and playoff football interview with with jason and then following mccordy we have sal Akata for our weekly train of thought segment bunch of topics this week uh that sal and i got into scott roland making the hall of fame shannon sharp uh, tom brady and a lot of uh betting talk for the uh, afc and nfc title games also some movie soundtrack talk some rocky talk so a lot of topics covered with both jason and sal so hopefully you enjoy it if you do leave a review on apple and if you're not a subscriber to the si media podcast hit the subscribe button and make sure you check out past episodes if you missed any chris long was on the podcast last week troy aikman two weeks ago jim miller three weeks ago and uh at the end of the year we had some year review episodes with uh peter schrager Andrew Perloff, and Brian Curtis. All right, let's get to this week's episode. Jason McCourty from Good Morning Football, followed by Sal Licata and our weekly train of thought segment, all right here on the SI Media Podcast. All right, joining me now from Good Morning Football, former Super Bowl champion, played in the league for many seasons, Jason McCourty. Jason, how's it going? Going well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. I'm a big fan of Good Morning Football, and you've been a great addition to the show, so I, I thank you for coming on. I uh, appreciate um, that. appreciate the mission as well. It's been a, a lot of fun. It's kind of been a whirlwind uh, these last few months, retiring and going right into the show. Give me, a little, give me a little recap and taste of what your first full season on Good Morning Football has been like for you. Uh, I'll start out and say it's a grind. Uh, up every morning, uh, at least by 5 a.m., to get into the city where obviously we do a live show, live taping of the show, mm-hmm. 7 to 10. Um, I guess what I've been surprised about is how much fun we have throughout those three hours that we're on the air, uh, whether it's in the commercial breaks of laughing or just things that happen throughout the course of the show that we maybe didn't expect. Um, 
I, I didn't know what to think going in. I think when you have three co-hosts that are so much fun and we all get along well, uh, you're able to really enjoy talking football. I thought I was retiring, but uh, having another job, this is uh, just as much of a grind uh, during the season as it was playing. I, I've become tight with with Kyle and and Schrager over the years. And when the show first started and I first got to know them, I was I probably annoyed them to no end about the hours. I was always fascinated. I'd be like, Kyle, like, what do you when, when do you wake up? And I know he says the car comes and and, you know, what what fascinates me about the gig you guys have is that on Sundays and Mondays and Thursdays, there's games that go on until 11 o'clock midnight. And you were on the air at seven in the morning. And, uh, you know, it blows me away that, um, you know, you got to try to watch the game and then be on the air a few hours after it's over. Yeah, that's the toughest thing. And you kind of mm-hmm. enjoy now this is the championship weekend or even last weekend during the divisionals because you get to go to bed a little earlier. That last game started at 630 on Sunday. I was thankful for that because right, by the time I finished the game, I still have enough time to get enough sleep to wake up. But that is the hardest part. Those Thursday night games, especially – uh, some of those games throughout the year, just like you're watching, and it's just the score is three to six in the fourth quarter, and it's just a brutal watch at times. And you're like, nope, I got to stay up. I got to talk about this game tomorrow. So it's definitely uh, 100% a grind. But I will say uh, everybody behind the scenes on the show tries to make it as seamless as possible. We do our morning show, production show, where we're talking about it in the car ride into the city, and then we do a quick 15-minute Zoom call <laughs> after so. They make it as easy as possible for us to be able to get on and get out and actually have a good product that we're putting on there every day. How long would you say it took you to sort of get used to the schedule and the grind from, you know, week one, when you get those initial, you know, the Monday night games, the Thursday night games, did it take you a little while to get used to the schedule or do you sort of never get used to it? What was What's that been like? It definitely took a while. I think even before the game started, Starting the show in the summer, it took at least probably about a month to two months just getting used to waking up that early and having to go to work. I come home and the kids want to play. I'm just I'm a, I'm a zombie walking around the house in a bad mood. It's like those old Snickers commercials where you're hungry and you're just snapping at everybody. So I had to figure out I'm not an early sleeper, so I had to figure that schedule out. And then once the game started, I would say probably the most difficult thing for me came on Sundays where I'm used to playing or focusing on whatever one game I was preparing for. Now it's just like Sunday comes and you're trying your, your hardest to watch every single game at the same time, knowing those kind of primetime matchups. We may spend a little bit more time on those games versus other games. So that was the toughest <laughs> challenge. I've never done that as a fan to truly sit down and just enjoy watching football and getting to know the teams, the rosters and all of that. It took a while of just, I would have, on the TV screen, I'd have games going on, the kind of four box going on. Then I'd have Red Zone on an iPad, another game on the laptop. So uh, it's a whole production come Sunday. Yeah. Uh, I always watch games like that. And then I got rid of DirecTV and I couldn't. I can't wait to do it again with uh, whatever YouTube or whatever. Because yeah, I got really good at watching multiple games. You know, this is what I found. it. I from one to one thirty, it's crazy. But then by one thirty, you can sort of weed out a game or two, and then it becomes a little easier to focus on multiple games. Exactly. And then the, the longer the show went, is I started to get, I started to understand that of getting an idea. All right, we're going to talk about this game more than that game, and then just understanding TV, where you do a show and each hour is kind of its own individual show, and then the, you have the show open, and we we go by block. So you have the A block, B block through E. 
and then realizing that, hey, by the time we get to the end of the show, the e-block, that last segment's only a, a few minutes. So, like, you don't need to empty the bag and do a ton of research on whatever we're talking about, the topic in that last segment, because you're probably going to have 45 seconds to talk. So figuring out mm-hmm. all of those things, we laughed about it. Uh, when I started to show, certain terms would be used, whether it was Strangs or Kyle or Jamie, uh, to our producers and all that. And I'd be sitting there, I was like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about, uh, just from not having that TV experience. So everybody has done a good job of uh, bringing me up to speed and being patient with me. Yeah. And, and you came in and filled the seat that was occupied by Nate Burleson for many years before Nate went over to CBS Mornings. And Nate was very popular on the show. Did you feel any pressure in replacing Nate or was it just you felt pressure just because you're doing TV? You've never done it. Like you said, it's a grind Monday through Friday. Was the Nate thing a factor as well in in terms of maybe nerves or pressure when you first started? Oh, for sure. I think the TV part of it adds pressure and then you're kind of used to pressure. Though You're playing games for so many years with 50, 60,000 fans watching. There's pressure that comes along with that, trying to perform for your team. But starting to show uh, the social media following is big. And all me and Jamie would hear is that these two suck. Nate, we wish Nate and Kate was there. Like that was the added pressure that comes along with it. And both of them, mm-hmm. Nate and Kate, just being so good at their job over the years. I went on the show, uh, went in person, would come on via remote through Zoom and stuff. And I got a chance to interact with them while being on there. And Nate is so good at what he does. Now he's doing it for CBS Mornings. He's on NFL Sundays, on Nickelodeon. He's all over the place. So you're trying to fill those shoes. And my one thing I did was I was like, I'm not going to go back and like study Nate. I want to make sure when I'm starting to show, like I'm just being who I am. If that's good enough, then great. I'll have a, a nice long run right here on Good Morning Football. If I go in there and I suck and they're just like, what the heck we need Nate back then? I won't be there long and my TV career will be very short. So I think that was kind of how I dealt with it. Just like dive in head first, give it your best shot and see where it puts you. But uh, it's been really cool. Even throughout our weeks, Nate usually comes on the show once or twice a week and he'll come on just for his one segment. And I'll leave out of that segment. I'm like, dang, now, now I see why people miss Nate because his delivery, (laughs) the things he says, he's quick with it. He's so good uh, at being able to, come up with stuff and his answers and his knowledge on football and everything in between. I, I'm one of those guys that I, I hate change, especially with shows I like, and I, I watch you guys every day. And um, I have to say you and Jamie, though, I felt like it was pretty seamless and you guys really fit in. Well, it wasn't jarring at all. I, I think maybe what maybe ended up helping you a little bit is that they sort of went a year without replacing Nate. I don't know. I feel like maybe from like you mentioned those, quote-unquote fans who said, you know, bring back uh, Nate. Like, I think a, a year of rotating hosts, probably when you came in, then it, it's not like you're immediately replacing him, so maybe that helped. But as far as from what I've seen in television shows, sports TV, this transition or change has been as smooth as I think I've ever seen. Yeah, it's been. we felt that way too. And I think uh, me and Jamie talked about it all the time. We were so fortunate to have each other starting the show at the same time, opposed to maybe a year ago if I was starting the show as Nate went to CBS Mornings, and now I'm the one new person on the show with three of the veteran veteran hosts. And not only veteran, but they started the show, and now I'm starting to do it. The next thing you know, I get comfortable. And now, James, we got to do it together and lean on each other, and it wasn't just one new kid on the block. So I do think 
uh, that was helpful. And I will say just from the beginning, there's been chemistry. Uh, we talked about it. It was in the summer. I, I did a two-day audition. And in between those two days, Jamie had flew in from Minnesota. And off air, the four of us did a show just to see what it felt like. And this was the first time we all were meeting each other and getting to know uh, one another. And it was really cool. And there was kind of a vibe and chemistry early on. And the one thing about this show, you're going to get better right away because it's every single day. So the more reps you do together, the more time you spend together, you start to see the chemistry and the bonds and us kind of poking fun at each other. Uh, it it kind of happens right away. And I will say the the two things that helped it a lot was we traveled to London together and then we traveled to Germany together. And when you do that, it's a ton of time, not only doing our show, but going out to eat and waking up together, traveling to and from the site together. All of that time spent, it helps to develop the relationships and the chemistry. Give me, have you had a um, most memorable moment on the show in, in your first years or something? If I said, what what's a day, what's something that happened that sticks out in your in your mind? Because you guys do some really wacky stuff on that show. Um, I mean, Wall Streeters in and of itself, we can get into, but there's always something going on that's you know, a little off the beaten path on that show. So I'm just curious. Yeah, I would one. say uh, one of them would be the first trip to London. That was the first time that I got a chance to do the show where there's actually people lined up outside. We're doing a live show. It's from remote and there's an audience there who are energizing us, asking questions. We're going out there, interacting with them. That was such a different experience that that was uh, very memorable because it was just like, wow, like I'm here, I'm in London. I was just here last year playing in a game and now I'm here hosting a TV show uh, throughout the course of the week. And I would say probably another one, I don't remember specifically what it was, but anybody that watches our show knows you, you can never anticipate or know what Kyle Brandt is going to say or do next. And there would be times, especially in the summer when I first started the show, he would say something and I would kind of look at the camera and the producers would be laughing in my ear because I'm just like, is there like a sensor? Is he allowed to say some of the things that he's saying? Uh, so I think th those yeah. aspects starting to show uh, definitely stand out to me. And it, it happens every single day where you don't know what Kyle or Peter or what somebody's going to do or what they're going to come up with. I mean, two weeks ago, Jamie was riding around in the studio in a scooter uh, after she saw Pete Carroll do it down in mm -hmm. Seattle. So I think that's the okay. fun thing about our show that keeps it lively. You never know what mm -hmm. the next person's going to do. And tell me, you, you played in the NFL for 13 seasons. When did you sort of get the sort of bug that you would be in media or wanted to get into TV? Was it something uh, you had thought about for years? Was it something that came up when you retired? How did it go from right from the field onto a daily NFL show? Yeah, I can't say that I, I foresaw, foresaw that coming of just from one to the other literally within a week. But throughout my career, I always had something going on in Tennessee. I remember uh, a guy, Joe Fan, was working for the Tennessee Titans. Now he's, I believe he's in Seattle or San Francisco now writing for the, uh, as a beat reporter, but he was there and we would do a little show uh, in between right in our players lounge. Uh, we would talk about the team and different things. And then from that, I had a radio show, the J-Mac show when I was with the Titans. So always kind of doing small things here and there. And then finally in 2018, when I ended up joining New England Patriots, my brother and myself started a podcast, Double Coverage with the McCourty Twins, uh, that we did for the three or four years there. So I think it was kind of a growing interest as I continued to go through the league. And it was something that I started to develop skills and being comfortable 
uh, being behind a microphone or in front of a camera uh, of, of doing those types of things. And then uh, in April last year, going out, the NFL did a broadcast boot camp and went out there. Uh, it was 24 of us. And you go out there for about three days. And the last day is basically an audition for everybody. Westwood One from radios there, Compass, Fox, CBS, uh, ESPN, NFL Network. Everybody's there and ended up doing that. We did studio stuff called the game, uh, radio stuff, everything you can think of in the sports media industry. And next thing you knew from there, job opportunities started popping up. I think that's when it really hit me. Like, no, you really have an opportunity to do some things. And that kind of helped push to retirement, knowing it was there and probably the right move. Having something to walk into is a big part. I think all of us as players, we fear that. All right. So I, I've, you mentioned you started the podcast with your brother, Devin, when you were in New England. Mm-hmm. Did you have to get permission from Bill Belichick to do a podcast? Because we know Bill does not like his players doing too much media. Sometimes you got to just go for it and ask for forgiveness later on. So uh, I guess I was fortunate. I walked in there and my twin brother is Mr. Patriot, who can do no wrong within the organization. So I think he's handled himself well enough that uh, we just went for it. No one ever complained. No one ever said anything negative about it. Uh, so it, it was, we did it for a few years. It was, there was no controversy. There was no podcast gate or anything like that that came out throughout those years. So uh, I don't know if Bill was a frequent listener, uh, but right. he never had an issue with it coming to, come to our squad meetings. And the amazing thing that I've always found this amazing is I don't, you know, I think there's a difference between perception and reality. The perception is certainly that NFL fans get the impression Bill doesn't want his players talking, uh, doesn't want them giving anything to the media that could start anything. But Belichick has always done a weekly spot on WEI in, in Boston, which, and Brady always did a spot there. Now he has his own show, obviously, on, on Sirius. Um, and then you and your brother, Devin, uh, doing the podcast. There. So, it, it's, you know, I, I don't, I, I guess it's more about, I guess he allows the opportunities, but you better not do anything. You know, I think we've seen with Brady, I've always said this, where once he got out of New England, we saw Brady's personality, where in New England, we didn't really see that. So, um, yeah, it's a, I, I, it's a fine line. It's I think for Bill is more of what you're saying. You're talking to the media. As long as you're not giving anybody a competitive advantage or you're creating a situation or a distraction where now all your teammates have to come in and answer to whatever you said or did in the media, I think that's where the things come up. But my three years there, I don't think I ever asked permission to do this or do that. But I think at the same time, he knew that I was somebody that could handle myself and wasn't going to put the team in a bad situation. Now tell me, so you played last year, this year you're on TV. Has it been difficult in any, I mean, you guys don't have a show where you're out there ripping people too much, mm-hmm. even ripping is strong. I mean, you can do fair criticism. I mean, there are players who deserve criticism uh, in a fair way. I, I would assume, you know, I think it's probably easiest for Kyle to maybe take on a player maybe peter a little bit less than kyle because he has a lot of contacts and uh, across mm-hmm. the league and then you obviously know these guys so i'm curious from your perspective if you do have to say this guy didn't play well or they should make a change here is that hard for you at all as someone who was just with all these guys a year ago and was with them for 13 years 
Yeah, I vow to myself that any opinion I have is going to be totally based on what's put out there on the field. So if I'm watching a game and I'm giving my honest opinion, and I'm, I'm honest about it to a point of like, I'm not in the meeting room. I don't know exactly what's being coached, but I can look at a play and say, hey, they're playing cover two right here. The corner is supposed to do whatever the case may be and say he's not doing that. I'm pretty sure when they get to the sideline, it has to be corrected, blah, blah, blah. So I think for me, that part hasn't been hard because it's never personal. It's strictly based off of a football perspective. Uh, I will say throughout the course of it, though, like you just laugh about stuff. And I think how you carry yourself throughout your career, me being in the locker room, guys that know me or guys that know someone that knows me uh, can vouch for me. They know the type of person I am. They know my character and who I am. Uh, just as a person. So if I'm criticizing or saying something about somebody, it's not coming from a negative spot. But I remember uh, FaceTiming my brother one day, and he's in the locker room in New England at the end of the season. And uh, I think that day I just talked about New England and criticizing the way the season went and what they need to do moving forward. And Jamie Collins jumps on the FaceTime and starts going off. Like, man, you was in there talking bad about us, blah, blah, blah. But we laughed about it. He knows me. He knows where it's coming from. Uh, I think the cooler part has been uh, one of my teammates I just played with in Miami, Eric Rowe, makes a big hit uh, in a Sunday game uh, against Houston and knocks the ball loose. And Xavier Howard picks it up and scores a touchdown. Uh, e. Rowe gets in the locker room and texts me, I better be on your OOE for top defensive plays this week. And that mm -hmm. was really cool for me to know, like, guys are seeing it. They want the recognition. And it's a cool platform to be able to, like you just said, a lot of our show is more positive. Like when we have to criticize, we, we have to do that as well. But a lot of it is being able to prop people up. Peter does a tremendous job with talking about coaches that he's built relationships with that don't always get the recognition that maybe even they deserve. Yeah. I, I was going to ask if, if any of the, if any player had ever texted you and been like, Oh, I can't believe you said that. That was a little out of bounds there, but you gave me a good one. They were Jamie Collins. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I guess if you're on TV, I mean, what your skill needs to see, I, I don't have that skill. I think where I can sh like sugarcoat, like for instance, if you just talking about like Zach Wilson, I would say like, he was terrible. I guess if you're on that show, you got to maybe soften it a little bit. And, and to that point, uh, mm -hmm. when he had game against uh, New England, mm -hmm. he said his comments after my thought was when he said the comments was a lot of people were just like, this is atrocious. This is this, that. And the third, and my whole thing was if I was his teammate, I would be less concerned about what he's saying in the media, more concerned about how is he carrying himself in the building. So the way I look at situations, I try to give strictly a player's perspective from being in those <laughs> shoes because I know there's sometimes you as a, a member of your media that you see every single day. And as a player and as a person in that media, you may be like, I can't stand this guy as a player. A player is the same way. Like, hey, I think he's an a-hole or whatever the case may be. I hate talking right. to him. And sometimes responses are triggered in that way. But to your point, like sometimes you do got to be honest, bluntly honest with that. We're in a Zach, situ Zach Wilson situation, just like, no, Mike White should be playing. Like, I'm not going to get on there and just say, all right, Zach Wilson's a bum. He sucks this, that, and the third, because that doesn't right. say anything. It's no different than what your kids when they say, I hate this. And you're just like, well, mm -hmm. why? What do you hate about it? Like, I'm going to say Zach Wilson's not a good quarterback. All right, what is he doing that doesn't make him a good quarterback? Don't just say this guy's a bum or he sucks. Explain what he's not doing and where he needs to work on to explain to a viewer if I'm watching at home and I'm a huge Jets fan, why isn't Zach Wilson getting it done? What is he not doing and what can he improve on to be a good quarterback? Now, in addition, I should have mentioned this sooner. Excuse me. In addition to Good Morning Football, you do games on Westwood One 
Um, and I think I think if I'm not mistaken, you've done a couple of Thursday games, which I know in my head. Then I say, how is he doing the show on Friday? Right. Getting back to what we talked about at the very beginning of the, of this interview. Um, do you have a? Do you re- enjoy doing the games? Do you would you want to do more games? Do you have a preference game studio? What's give me a little um, how you feel about doing the games as opposed yeah, um, to when you're in studio? Yeah, the games are awesome. I think uh, as a former player, my first one was I, I did. Uh, I think it was four four Thursday night games and then three of uh, the Saturday games. And my first one was uh, in Cleveland. They were taking on the Steelers and. You walk into the stadium and I see the equipment manager for the Cleveland Browns I was there with for a year. I see uh, different media people that I was there. I think that experience of being able to walk back in the stadium, the fans all screaming, kickoff, it puts you back in it. And for me, calling the game, playing and play out, you have to be quick, you have to be concise. And it's very similar. I'm lined up there at cornerback. And they break the huddle, and I'm thinking about all the things that can possibly come. And then next thing you know, the ball snap, and now you got to react and do something. Or now, when you're calling the game, ball snapping, whether it's Iron Eagle, Kevin Kugler on the play-by-play, they stop talking, and it's just like, what did you see? How are you going to put it into words and be able to shut up before they start talking again? So I think that adrenaline rush and the excitement that comes along with that, I still thoroughly enjoy that, and I just love the atmosphere. I was at the uh, Chargers and Jacksonville playoff game. And we all know how that game ended a, a epic comeback by Jacksonville being in that stadium during that, watching the fans and the players down on the sideline uh, was tremendous. I got a chance to meet Brandon Staley the night before the game. So from a relationships and a football standpoint, being able to still be in that atmosphere, uh, I really enjoy. And I, I like the studio stuff too. It allows me to be at home. Uh, pick my kids up from school and all of those fun things of being a father and a husband as well. So uh, this past year, the combination of both of them uh, was a really good mix for me. And in terms of studio show, good morning football. Um, I've mentioned, obviously you played for 13 years. You you were playing last season. Do you just enjoy sort of, you mentioned it before in, in sort of like, you know, two high safeties. And the, do you like analyzing that stuff and getting into the techniques and what players should be doing on the field as much as sort of, I mean, this is so much of what we do. Good morning football myself is driven by sort of also off the field storylines. Like where's Tom, what's Tom Brady going to do? What's Aaron Rodgers going to do? Uh, you know, all that, you know, DeMar Hamlin, Patrick Mahomes injury. I mean, which isn't X's and O's. Do you like getting into all that other stuff or you would prefer to just break down the game no i like both of it and i think mm-hmm. as a player you sit in that locker room and so many narratives are controlled by whoever is hosting the podcast who's writing the article and i feel like as a player we kind of dream of having that platform where you're on a team you take lamar jackson's uh, situation over the last mm-hmm. few weeks with his injury and it's just like everybody's like well why isn't he saying anything and i get an opportunity on a daily show on nfl network to say like Hey, one of the main things when you get in the locker room is the head coach always says, hey, I'm the one that talks about injuries. I'm the one who handles it. And then from a player perspective, when you hear everybody talking about your injury, you don't think it's represented well, then you're like, all right, I have to speak up. So for me, I get an opportunity to show that, hey, like I played the game, the X's and O's, I can dive into that. We can do a whole segment where I'm highlighting different guys, showing what they're doing here, how it affects the offense versus what the defense is doing. But then also when we start talking about a storyline, like I can give you exactly what this guy may be thinking on this or what this guy may be thinking on that. Or maybe I went through a similar situation or watched a former former teammate go through that situation. So 
I enjoy both parts of it because especially in our show, we sit at a desk with four people that all come from four different backgrounds. Everybody heavily involved in football, the NFL to college football, but we all got there in different ways. So we're weighing in on whatever mm -hmm. the hot topic is. We all may have two, four totally different perspectives and we all get a chance to voice that on the show and kind of challenge one another. And the fan gets a chance to get a sneak peek and dive into it as they're sitting at home and, and maybe Kyle one day and they're just like, Yo, he, he's exactly right. He's representing my point when he makes that debate. And five minutes later in the show, it's just like, wow, Jay's right on that. And I agree. So I think that's the really cool thing is you get a different perspective and a different role from each one of us. I do feel like at some point you'll get sick of like the Rogers and Brady stuff. Like at some point, like they better make a decision because, you know, <laughs> I get where they're coming from. I, I don't blame them for taking time, but we're going to speculate. I mean, Maybe you'll get the inside word from your brother who played with. Well, you played with Tom too. Do you have Tom's yeah. number in your? Do you have Tom's number in your phone? I, I do. Uh, whether it's okay. still the same number from when I was playing, uh, who knows? I sent him a video of my son catching a ball before, and he responded. And, I mean, it, it made my son's day. I, I was like, Tom's probably busy, but he did. But if I get the inside scoop, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll be the one to, uh, to break news. Uh, Ian Rappaport would probably be pissed at me if I'm the one. <laughs> That would be tremendous. I mean, <laughs> you think, you know, I, I went through this this week. You think Tom would break the news on his own radio show one of these days, but who knows how he'll, you know, everyone he's, uses he's social media now. Yeah, yeah. he's sad. Whatever he does is going to be well thought out. It's not going to be like last year. It's going to be well thought out and there's going to be touching a lot of different things that goes along with it. What did you make? I, I don't know how much of a, of a feel you got for because I think it was more of a Twitter thing than anything. And I don't know how much you pay attention to it or you're on there. I'm sure you, but. I'm sure you guys talked about it on the show, but what do you make of so many people thinking Tom was legitimately pissed at Jim Gray on his Sirius XM show? And Jim asked him about his future. And Tom said, you know, I don't fucking know what I'm doing and I'll let you know when I fucking, you know, whatever it was. And people are like, oh, my, you know, like it's Tom's radio show. It's his co-host. It's they're having fun. It's not it. But everyone took it as like Tom's piss. What was your give me your take on that? Yeah, I, I looked at it the same way you did. I'm sure they they go into a show and they talk about, all right, we're going to hit on this, we're going to hit on that. And even if Tom didn't know, it's his show. He could say, hey, no, forget that. We're not talking about that. We'll scrap that, cut it, whatever the case may be. I think that was his way. I told you, Tom's strategic. That was his way of telling everybody, shut the hell up. Like, I will tell you when I know yeah. what I am doing. No different than Aaron Rodgers goes on McAfee's show each and every week. And now all of a sudden he's the Jets' new quarterback because he knew the entire roster. And it's like, no, like he goes on the show, like they're going to talk about things. He's an NFL football player. They played against the Jets. He knows who Garrett Wilson is. He knows who Brees Hall is. He's sitting in those meeting rooms. So I think you, you can't, you got to know who you're listening to. Guys like Aaron Rodgers, like Tom Brady, like they're veterans at this thing. They know exactly what they're saying, why they're saying it, and the impact that it's going to make. But I, I enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, hearing Brady drop some F-bombs. I think mm -hmm. that's always uh, a pleasure for the listener. But he drops F-bombs on that show all the time. It, it, this wasn't anything different. I think people just thought maybe the tone. and But yeah. you you summed it up. Per I mean, the, you hit it right on the, the nail, right on the head. This was Tom's way of saying, like, I know this question was coming. Let me have some fun with it. Everyone yeah. leave me alone until I figure out what I'm going to do. I mean, I actually spoke to Jim Gray yesterday to get his reaction to it. And he said that, they did not discuss that question and he didn't tell Tom he was going to ask that question, but he said, Tom knows that question's coming. It's the number one question on everyone's mind. So yeah. I think Tom totally did exactly what you said there. Um, and, I, and I think for Tom too, 
there's so many former Patriots that are in the media. Uh, my brother was on the, the pregame show for NFL Network this week, and he talked about yeah. Tom going uh, to the Titans. Nikovich is on ESPN. There's so many guys uh, that have played with Tom Brady that are all in sports media. And the questions always posed. I was like, you are with Tom. You know him well. What do you think he's going to do? And we all have to pull this answer from our ass to come up with something yeah. or reason of what we think he's going to do. That was his way of even telling us. Bill used to go into meetings and say that, hey, I, I know you guys know this person and that person. But if the media asks you, just shut the hell up. Let them answer for themselves. So I think the same thing Tom was letting us know, too, is former teammates. Like, you have no idea what I'm doing right. either. So don't pretend to talk for me. <laughs> That's a really good point that I hadn't thought of that you brought up is that there are so many Patriots in the media. And you mentioned two there. You didn't even mention the, the two biggies that really have caused headlines were Edelman and Gronk. You know, oh, Gronk man. went on Fox and said he's not going to retire. And Edelman said he's not going to play for the Bucks, whatever it was. So, yeah, you have all these Patriots in the media talking about Tom. And, you know, I think from what I saw earlier today on his Instagram story, it looks like he's like on vacation somewhere with his kids anyway. So. Uh, you know, I don't think anything's right coming do. down. And yeah, yeah. um, that's uh, uh, the, the Rogers thing is interesting because I said this on Twitter. I, I'd be curious what your take is. I, I think Aaron Rodgers would be insane to come to the Jets for two reasons. I mean, one, the Jets for ninety eight percent of their existence have been a complete embarrassment, and he's such a high maintenance diva. It would be a bit and and. Then the flip side of that is he's now become this antagonist with the media and has this whole thing where he's the victim and, he, and the media is this and that. And he's going to come to New York, the most savage media in the country. It would be I would love it for my job because it would give me content every day. But like, that's a bad, bad fit, is I think. Well, what's your take? That's been a lot of the conversation. I think from a, if you. If you strictly look at football, you're just, all right, Garrett Wilson's there. Elijah's more, Elijah Moore's there. Bam Knight came along. Hopefully, Brees Hall's able to get healthy. You're like, yo, I can see a lot, him doing a lot with his offense, with the weapons they have, and Robert Salah controlling the defense and everything that they did, how successful they were. But I think outside of that, I mean, Brett Favre left Green Bay. He went to the New York Jets. Like, now is Aaron Rodgers going to leave Green Bay and go to the New York Jets? It's just, I think from a media standpoint, I don't know, though. Like, maybe Rodgers would enjoy that. Like, we, we've seen him. I mean, he does a weekly show with Pat McAfee. He doesn't have to do a weekly show. Maybe he would love to have the eyes and the ears of some of New York's, some of sports media's best of the best every single day, listening to every single word he's given, whether it's about the game plan this upcoming week or a philosophy on life as he's sitting there just talking to everybody and maybe he'd go home and go on Twitter or go on different websites and just read at all the stuff mm -hmm. that everybody's talking about just because he might've said five words about a certain topic. I don't know. It, it, it would be to your point for the sake of doing a show every day, as if we don't talk enough Rogers, I would thoroughly right. enjoy him being in our yeah. backyard and being right there with the New York Jets. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would love it for because the first time something bad happens and he blames the media, the media is going to eat him up. And this is in Green Bay where, you know, there's like the Washington Gazette and that's it. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Let me ask you a couple of questions sort of playoff-related here. I want to get your perspective as someone who was in the league for 13 years and just just got off the field. Give me and my listeners a little um, um, some thoughts on what you think Mahomes will go through. Will he be 100% with the high ankle sprain as a quarterback? How much it will affect him? I mean, to me, that's the number one story as we head into uh, Sunday is yeah. Mahomes' ankle and how much he's affected by that. Tell me as a player what we should expect and what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I can't imagine him being 100%. A high ankle sprain you typically see as a, a month injury. At least four weeks, guys are out with that injury. And we saw how hard it was for him. Mahomes is a tough dude. He gets hurt, and right away, he's like, I'm good, I'm good. And then we're watching him jump on one leg to hand the ball off. So I do think it, it's going to have a, a huge impact. I mean, even when he came back in the second half against Jacksonville, he didn't make a throw outside the pocket in the second half. I do think, though, the thing with Mahomes, he's just that good, that he can sit in the pocket and still be able to beat you. Uh, I'm fascinated by this game. I went back and watched the film of the Bengals game against the Buffalo Bills. I went back to the Bengals game versus Pat, Pat Mahomes earlier this year uh, because with the Bengals and Lou Anarumo, their defensive coordinator, what they've been able to do and stop some of these high-powered offenses, some of the best quarterbacks uh, in the league is fascinating to me. And then you couple it with what you just said, Mahomes' injury is how do they attack that? Watching that first game, they blitzed uh, some, but a lot of it was playing coverage. And when they did blitz, Mahomes was getting, was getting the ball out quick or fading back and being able to throw up a deep shot. Now with the ankle, do they get a feel for him early on in the game and then say, you know what, he's not mobile. Let's send the house at him and get up and see if he can hold the ball long enough or fade back on that ankle and be able to make some of the throws that he can make. So this one is going to be a lot of fun. To me, there's no way he's 100%. Um, I don't envision him being able to have a full week of practice this week, which I don't think he needs 
Uh, if he can get out there a little bit on Friday, I think that would even be enough. Uh, that if I'm a Kansas City Chief fan, I'm totally comfortable. Uh, he's Patrick Mahomes. He's proven year after year since he's been in there what he can do. Yeah. And sticking with Chiefs Bengals, um, if you were a if you were on the Bengals right now, would you tell Eli Apple to like cut back on the trash talking, or you got to let him be who he is? I love Eli Apple. <clears throat> uh, you, you associated Peter Schrager. He said that this morning. I mean, you have Pat Beverly in the NBA, who's kind of that antagonist that gets under the skin of people, that's going to do all the trash talking. And they don't have to be the best player on the court or on the field. And Eli Apple's not claiming to be the best corner in the NFL. But the one thing we can say about Eli Apple is he's been able to somewhat back up his trash talk that he that he's given. He was in the Super Bowl last year. He went against Mahomes and Tyree Hill. Yeah, and torched by Cooper Cup, but by the way. But. He, didn't have, he didn't have a great game uh, against <laughs> Cooper Cup, for sure. But the guys he was talking about that trash to being up to, you watch them this past weekend against Buffalo. Eli had a good game in that game. And as a secondary and as a unit, they played really well against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. And I think Eli, he adds something to it. Those guys on the team, you can talk to them. I, I know their DB coach. I was with him in Miami. He was just like, yeah, he, Eli is a crazy dude. Like We love having him. And I think that's the perception. Is even last year, as he was talking trash, whether it was Jesse Bates, whether it was Von Bell, it's just like, nah, when Eli talks, like, he knows we have his back. So those guys may not be saying it, but they kind of expect that from Eli, puffing the cigar in the locker room after winning the, the divisional round, knowing that they're heading, then he was calling the Burroughs Head Stadium uh, after the game. The problem he has is that, I mean, I, from what I've seen on Twitter the last two days, you you don't see players going after other, you know, current players going after current players that much. And current players are going after him. And what they're going after him about is like, you know, you're doing all this trash talking. You're not that good. You know, it's, it, you know, if Travis Kelsey's or, or Mahomes is trash talking. It's one thing. Eli Apple, people are like, who the hell? You mentioned the Pat Beverly. I mean, that was such a great tweet by by Sauce Gardner. Um mm -hmm. But that's what yeah. makes it. That's what makes it so much fun that it's coming. From that's true. That's Eli true. Apple, and it's like everybody, Eli. So it's like now he's built up his reputation where you're not even playing in the game. And he's somebody sees him talking about Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen, and now you have randomly a Justin Herbert who gets pissed off and Keenan Allen, and they want to jump in. I think that's what makes it so much fun. And as just strictly now as a fan of the game. You look forward to this Sunday watching the interaction between an Eli Apple and, and, and a, a guy on their side, maybe whether it's Juju, whether it's MVS, whether he gets in Kelsey's face. You look forward to that and his trash talk and all of his antics. The last thing I want to talk about in terms of the playoffs and, and current teams, and this goes, this is overall for the whole league. I, I, does every player and every team feel disrespected no matter what? I feel like this is like, like I've read so many things about like Joe Burrow's been disrespected because no one, people don't put him like with my, okay. No one, no one's disrespecting Joe Burrow. I've read Mahomes is disrespected because people talk about Allen and Burrow and they don't talk about Mahomes. You know, Aaron Rodgers even, you know, he's like, oh, the, you know, they, they, the Packers drafted my backup and they thought I was done. And then I went to, no one, like, I feel like 95% of like, either we, they don't get talked about enough or they're disrespected is the player using it for their own motivation. What's am I wrong on that? No, uh, that's, mm -hmm. that's been a fun part of these last several months of now. Now I'm in your world and 
you realize that no matter what I say, like somebody's going to find something. So it was just like going in, you just said it. Cincinnati was the underdog, uh, whether it was a coin toss, whether it was a neutral site game, whatever it was, we've lost Lyme and there's so much doubt on us. And it was just like now going into this week, Kansas City fans, they're pissed off. It's just like now everybody's saying Burrow's the best quarterback in the AFC. Oh, don't right. you remember? In the summer, you guys all picked the Raiders and the Broncos and the Chargers. But look, we're still here. No matter what you say, you're doubting somebody's franchise and you're doubting this quarterback. But as a player, of course, like you always found a reason to put a chip on your shoulder and to attack, whether it's the offseason, whether it's during the season. I remember our Super Bowl run in 2018. We lost. We won our first game against Houston. Then we lose to Jacksonville on a roll and we lose to the Lions on a roll. Then we go on a little bit of a win streak, and then we get to the end of the year. We lose to the Dolphins and the Miami Miracle with a chance to win the division. And we lose on the road to Pittsburgh with a chance to win to win the division. And throughout that week, the, the following weeks, and especially once we entered the playoffs, we won our last two games against the Jets and the Bills. But there were all the articles of what everybody was saying about us when we had lost those two straight games earlier in the season and at the end of the season, the dynasty's over, this, that, and the third. And, like, we used that as our motivation. And it was just like, well, no, we lost those two straight games. Like, we look, we look trash. And everybody that was analyzing the game, they were just calling what they saw on film. So it's not really attacking us or disrespecting us. You lay an egg out there, and I have to talk about that game. I have to talk about the fact that you laid an egg. So uh, yeah. I get it. We, we all do it when we're playing. Uh, even individually, you, you'll still get mad at the little league coach that benched you in your first game as you're getting ready to play in the Super Bowl. Hmm. I, I wish I, I wish I would, I wish I remember the details. This happened in college too, because I rem- Georgia, which just won the national title, which won the national title last year, went undefeated this year. And like after the game, players were saying like, "Oh, people picked us to finish like eight. Like, no, they, no one, no <laughs> one did that. Like you're just making it up. Like you know. And I, you know, I guess. You know, I've heard athletes over the years have all told me like they'll do anything they can to get any sort of motivation and any edge, you know, going into a game. It's almost um, in the NFC Eagles Niners. I'm just, you know, obviously the story here is Brock Purdy, and it's a great story. You don't want to be the one to sort of throw cold water on it, but his two road wins or games have been at Seattle. And at um, the Raiders at Las Vegas, yeah. I, I now I, you know, just as a fan, to me, going into Philly with those fans is going to be like nothing he's ever experienced. Is this going to be a challenge? He's not going to really, you know, he. I don't. I feel like he's not ready for that challenge because he hasn't had to go through anything like that. Or am I not giving him enough credit? I, I would I would lean on not giving him enough credit, and I would say because of this going into Vegas is different. Like you're going into a, a, a beautiful stadium. There's a club in the background. Like that's a whole vibe in itself against a struggling team. Who well, actually the Raiders played well in that game, but going into Seattle, like Seattle is one of the loudest stadiums I have ever played, and you can put Arrowhead obviously right next to that. Now heading to Philly is a different atmosphere because like now you're entering the Northeast where like. People are just upset. Like they're they're mad that they woke up and their local coffee shop, the coffee wasn't as hot as it was the day before. Like in the Northeast, we just find reasons to be mad. We don't talk to people when we pass them on the street. So 
it's a different atmosphere in that where he's going to be riding up on the bus and like there's going to be a lot of choice words and gestures for him as he's getting there because that's just Philly, that's just the Northeast. But I think as far as atmospheres, obviously a conference championship is something that he's never played in, which is a different level in itself. But I think that role presence, I think what he probably saw in Seattle, a Thursday night game, primetime, Seattle still had a ton to play for. As we saw, they were able uh, to creep into the playoffs and late in the season playing him. I think a division opponent, it gives a lot of those playoff vibes the closer you get towards the end of the season. But I keep saying this about Brock Purdy. We keep waiting for, like, the shoe to fall off and for him to make this crazy mistake that costs him. And he keeps looking and just like, I don't know what you guys are waiting for. Like, that's just not me. And you can say, all right, he didn't throw any touchdown passes, this, that, and the third. This guy's been in control of the offense since he's been out there. He's made enough plays each uh, and every week. And obviously, uh, their roster being loaded is uh, very helpful as well. I don't want to talk about football anymore because you're a Jersey guy and you just talk about how we're angry here on the East Coast. Give me something you got angry about in the last, like something in the last couple of days that made you angry on the, like, you know, you said the coffee's not hot enough. Give me, give me something. Oh man. Um, I don't know if there's a specific, I mean, we, you got to think about, it. we do a show where our morning meeting happens at five 30 in the morning. So I think upset is just those morning meetings. Like who's going to be in a pissy mood today because somebody didn't get enough sleep, and we're going to talk Aaron Rodgers today. Somebody's going to be pissed that we're talking Aaron Rodgers. All right, we'll change the subject, then we'll talk Tom Brady. All right, then somebody's going to be pissed that we're talking Tom Brady. So I think all of us kind of coming from different areas, but doing something at 5.30 in the morning, we get the worst of each and every person. It's just like it takes turns every morning. Uh, but my take on the Northeast, I lived in Nashville for 10 years. And while I was down there, uh, one of my mentors was a guy, Chris Hope, that I played with. He's from Rock Hill, South Carolina. We trained together in the offseason. We'd often go to lunch or whatever the case may be, and we're walking down the street. This dude is saying hi to everybody we cross paths with. And I'm like, what? Is, he, he looks at me, and he's just like, what's wrong with you? Like, Say hi. Talk to people. So then I got in the habit of doing that, and I'd be walking out <laughs> Walmart, and next thing you know, I'm having a conversation with somebody's grandmother in Walmart and her about her babies and all of that. And then I come back home and I'll be walking and I'm trying to make eye contact with somebody as they're walking past me so I can give a head nod or something. And like they'll pull out the phone or they'll look the mm-hmm. other way. And it's just like it's a oh, constant yeah. reminder that like you're no longer in the South. So I, I've had to get used to the warmth of the people of the Northeast again. I wear these things. I'm pointing if you're listening and not on yeah. YouTube. My AirPods. I wear these in every store I go. See? And you're, you're not listening to music. You're not talking to anyone. You just don't want any of uh, you to come up exactly. and ask, hey, can I help you look for You want to be left alone. It, it is what exactly. it is. We have to wear them. Yeah, pretty much. And I also get, like you said, I get pissed. Like this morning I went to the deli. I get like a bacon and egg on a roll and they toasted my roll. I didn't ask for the roll toast. It ruined my whole morning. The whole day was thrown off. My whole day was thrown off by that. Didn't my, wife, that. my wife complains because I'm like that too. It can be the smallest thing. I can, yeah. I'm a picky eater. If I go somewhere and I order something with no pickles and I get it to go and I get home and there's pickles on it, oh. like I don't, I don't want to eat it. Like I, it, it just ruins the entire meal. And I guarantee you, if I was born in Nashville and grew up there, I would not have that outlook on life. So right. I blame right. my mom for settling down uh, here in the Northeast of New York. Tell me, you mentioned the 5:30 meetings, and and you know, someone maybe in a who who's pissy at that time mo- the most often sell oh, out one of your co-hosts oh oh it's, it's either peter or kyle it, it goes back and forth i'm the most pleasant one 
So Jamie can have her days too, but it's going to be Peter or Kyle. And I'm, I'm, I'm the pleasant one, the peacemaker. So one of those two though, that you can, you can, you can count and bank it of which one uh, it, it is going to be. Uh, I will say it always comes from a good place. Those two worked their ass off to make sure that it's a very good show each and every day. I've, uh, I, I've admired that from both of them, seeing how hard they go to make sure we put a good product on air. What was it like for you the first time you were in the studio and Kyle did Angry Runs? And it's, it's not only him doing it, it's him trying to catch his breath as he's finishing. Uh, and he's, I get legitimately nervous. I'm like, he's coming to the table. He's like, and, and Peter, and, and, you, and you start. We, we got it. We got Derrick Henry. I'm just like, yo, is, is he going to pass out? Like, do we need to go? So it, it it is so impressive. Like, people don't realize, like, as Kyle's doing Angry Ones, there's no prompter that he's reading from. Like, he has a card with maybe five words written down, and he's able to reference things and go from this to that. That was the biggest thing I took away of coming and working with these three every single day, of seeing how talented they each are at whatever it is their craft is. Peter's relationship building, his reporter and journalist side, like we'll have a discussion and I'll say something. And before I can finish, he's already throwing a question back at me to challenge whatever it is that I'm coming up with. And then Jamie's ability to just keep it all under control. And for her, that prompter is going a mile a minute of getting it all in and making sure everybody's on the same point. Like she said, she's like the point guard where it's around the back passes, no looks and everything. So I think as a player, you go in and you're just like, these people just sit in front of a camera and just make stuff up. And then you get in there and you get to see the nuances and how talented each member is. It's really cool to see. Um, before I let you go, give me a Super Bowl prediction. Super Bowl prediction. I'm going with the... Uh, San Francisco 49ers against the Kansas City Chiefs going to be a rematch of a few years ago. And I am going to say Shanahan finally gets his Super Bowl. I, I just came up with that. You put me on the spot. So I may yeah. change it tomorrow on the show. We'll see. <laughs> they, it, it, you know, it's I, what I like about this year is I feel like these are the four best teams. I mean, the cream yes. sort of always rises to the top. And it's crazy. I, I don't know if you pay attention to the betting odds at all in, in, in the betting world, but the odds right now for those four teams to win the Super Bowl, there's not a big difference between mm -hmm. one through four. So it tells you how close everything is, which I think is great, you know, for the next couple of four, weeks here. Four juggernauts. Yeah, for sure. Jason, really appreciate it. Enjoy the conversation. And uh, are you good? Now, will you do any, you have any more radio games or are you done for this season? Like, no, just, you're not the, doing any. No, yeah. the wild card was my last one. So <laughs> Got I'll be enjoying the games from my couch. All right. And we'll be watching you on Good Morning Football every morning, Monday through Friday on the NFL Network. Jason McCourty, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Take care. Oh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. My pleasure. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, joining me now, as he does every week for our Train of Thought segment from WFAN Radio and SNY TV in New York, my buddy Salakata, as we prepare for the last real weekend of the football season before the fake game for the fake fans. Sal, how's it going? I always say the same thing. It's a glorified exhibition game. It means the most, but it's a glorified right. exhibition. Essentially, football season's over. I mean, that's it. There's three games yeah. left. It's over. For me, I, yeah. To me, it's over after Sunday. So right, right. Um, we have a lot. I feel I have a lot of topics here. I'm going to start with the dumbest topic first because it's so ridiculous. It's not even worth discussing. But I feel you'll get riled up and. I might say something, but I'm just going to say two words. I'm just going to say two words, and I'll let you go, and then I'll go. Scott Rowland. <laughs> what are we doing? What it. are we? What are we doing? What are we doing? I, I um I love it, but I hate it. It's the same thing every year, oh. but it's fun. It's fun to discuss every. He shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. You and I know it. You know, you can talk about who's in. It's twofold, right? It's who's been getting in and who's not getting in. But it's at least fun, I guess, to to vent at least once a year on it. I'm a hypocrite because I've always said I every I always say the same thing every year. You, if you get worked up about the Hall of Fame, you're an idiot. It's not it's a it, at this point now. It's like a, it's a fake thing. It's ridiculous. It's a museum. Don't get worked up. Don't get worked up over who is in and out. What does piss me off though is because we're in this ridiculous time where you're not allowed to say anything and Twitter and this and that. Like if you say that Scott, you don't think Scott Rowland should be in the Hall of Fame and forget not should be. He shouldn't be anywhere. He shouldn't be allowed in the city of Cooperstown. <laughs> then it's, oh, you're raining on his parade. You're shitting on his moment. Who are you to say? Why take away? Like, listen, this is sports. We're allowed to analyze sports. We're allowed to say this was a good game. This was a bad game. This was a good play. This was a bad play. So if you have this building that has has become completely meaningless and a complete joke, you're allowed to say whether you think the guy should be in. So. You know, I get it. God forbid you say anything negative about everyone. You know, everyone's sensitive and all that. But I mean, what are we doing? 
Yeah, I, he was a good player for yeah. a long period of time. He's not Hall of Fame, but it's not him. It's He's not the problem. It's the people who are voting that are the problem. It's the whole process that is a problem. The idea that Scott Rowland, his first ballot can be a 10% guy, and then all of a sudden get in years later, it just does not make any sense. There's no logic to it. I don't want to hear about the different stats that they use, the different writers, the different people on the ballot. The whole thing is flawed. And the reason why we care is because that was the one sport that we gave a crap about their Hall of Fame right, for years right, growing right. up. That's why it matters. I don't care about the Football Hall of Fame or the basketball. I couldn't tell you anything about it. Baseball used to mean something, and it's sad that year after year it continues to be a problem. 100%. I What I wish is, listen, if you want to put all of these guys who were good, that's fine. Open a separate building for the all-time greats. Scott Rowland should not be in the same class as Babe Ruth and Mariano right. Rivera and Willie Mays and, and you know, Sandy Koufax. I mean, it's just yeah, any of them. Right. Mike Schmidt. Ridiculous. I mean, I don't, I don't care. You, you name the it's a that's that's I think what we're missing here, where people look at, oh, this guy was really, really good. Yeah, but that's not what a Hall of Famer should be. That, that, that's the point. It should be Hall of Fame. Not that everybody's got to be Willie Mays or Mickey Mantle, but guess what? Those guys that separate themselves to that level, that's what makes them Hall of Famers. Right. And I also think, I also think, listen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go crazy about the fact that the writers don't know what to do with the steroid guys. Like, right. I get it. That that's a tough one. Put that aside, okay? They're, the writers clearly don't put in people they don't like or people who or baseball players who are dicks to the media. Jeff Kent is a billion times better than Scott Rowland. He's not in the Hall of Fame because the media he was a jerk to the media. Barry right. Bonds is not in. I get that's a steroid thing, but he was a Hall of Famer before the steroids. He's not in because he's Schilling. a jerk. Schilling, Schilling, Clemens. And to me, the biggest travesty of all is Albert Bell. Right. Guy was Albert a, a mean Bell. Guy. Albert Bell, if you go look at Albert Bell's stats, I mean, Scott Rowland is not even, I mean, Albert Bell had 381 career homers, Rowland 316. I mean, in how many in how many fewer games though for Bell did he play the same or, or let's for see. years? Roland Roland played, played 17 Ro seasons. Yes, 17 years. 2038 games. Bell, 12 years, yeah. 15, 30. Yeah. I mean, it's Albert Bell had 1239 ribbies. Yeah. The years are the big difference here. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, one last thing from me on it, and I've yeah. talked about this on radio. You're right. Like, all right, you don't want to get into it. It's always talked about the top guys, right? Like who the writers didn't vote for the top guys. Think about this for a second. People who actually have a vote for the Baseball Hall of Fame, voted for, there was at least one vote for the following. Bronson Arroyo, Mike Napoli, and R.A. Dickey. Those three players got a vote from somebody or multiple people who are voting. Like, how is that even possible? If you have the right, to, and to get the right to vote, you have to be a baseball writer for 10 years. How the hell is it possible that you actually checked the box from Mike Napoli, Bronson Arroyo, or R.A. Dickey. How's I don't that need possible? To say, yeah, I don't need to say another word. That's it right there. That's it right there. All right, another topic.
Shannon Sharp. <laughs> okay. Here, okay. I, you know, I get that we live in this day and age where, like, it, it, if you do what we do, it's good to make a spectacle of yourself. So he goes and he gets all this attention and makes a spectacle. And, it's, you know, and then, of course, he does the apology on his show. Right. So to me, you know, what I couldn't believe was the statement he made after getting into the fracas on the court. It, he sounded like a crazy person. The, you don't want that. Like, you're sitting there arguing... Two of the greatest quotes I've ever heard. You can't be serious. Oh no, it was great. Are you kidding? They did, it said something like they didn't want any of what I had, and I wanted whatever they had. Oh God! It was who who are you? You're you're a fa- you're a spectator. What are you doing fighting with the players? I don't know how the whole. I mean, did you see how the whole thing went down? Where they he you know he said well, he's not. He to was trash talking. The players reacted, and then of course it gets into like you know right. one of those like you know face offs, but like. If anyone else did that, they get kicked out of the building. That is true. But I just thought it was funny to where, you know, Shannon Sharp is a Hall of Fame tight end. And these guys probably have no clue who he is. They think he's a loud mouth who yells at, uh, is he on? I don't even know. Is that the one he does with Skip Bayless? Yeah, he's on like one of the fake FS1 shows. Yeah, I don't I don't pay any attention to him. But I just yeah. thought it was funny that Sharp, who, he, he, it's almost like he's looking for a fight. Like, I wish someone Well, that's my would. point. Yeah. Well, that's right. my point. You're going to go to a Laker game and try to get into a fight, and then afterwards say you don't want this. Like, what? Are, you're at a basketball game. It's like, like, like if someone insulted his wife or his family. I like right. you're at a basketball game, right? No, I, I get you. It. You know but, about misbehaving at basketball games. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, I do. But believe me, I, I was tail between my legs. I wasn't saying you don't want any of this or they don't want any of that or whatever. I was please let me back in. What do you, I do? You got treated worse than Shannon Sharp. And, and I didn't even doing... do anything. All, exactly. All I did was boo a stupid fan wearing a LeBron James jersey at the Garden. And they talked. That's my him. point. That's my yeah. point. That's exactly <laughs> my point. Uh, the other thing that just pissed me off to know on this week was the Tom Brady thing with Jim Gray on his Sirius XM show. Big. Jim Gray asked him, you know, Tom, what's going on with your future? And he said, you know, I don't fucking know. And I, when I do, I'll let you know. what. I... And people like Tom Brady's pissed. He's cranky. He's. Okay, a couple of things. That's Tom Brady's show. The show's called Let's Go because of Tom Brady always screaming. It's, it's Tom Brady's. Re- so he's not going to fight with the co-host. It's not Mike and the Mad Dog. It's Tom Brady and Jim Gray. So, okay, two. The show's edited. It's not aired live. So if that was going to be such a controversial thing, they would have taken it. If Tom was pissed, they would have taken it out. It's not like that. You know, three. He knew he was going to be asked that question. Now, I spoke to Jim Gray. Jim Gray said they didn't like go over it ahead of time. But Tom Brady knows that if Tom Brady speaks to any human being right now, they're going to ask him what his future is. So when he said it like that, he's trying to be funny. He's trying. I think he was trying to be funny. I think he was trying right. to create a little, you know, a, a little moment, which he ended up doing. But people are saying like he got in a fight with Jim Gray or he was nasty. With, like that, that's. Not even remotely close to the truth. It's unbelievable how we just 90, every single thing is ridiculous. C- correct. 90% or more of the problem in today's world is, is how people perceive things and how it gets spun right. and pushed on social media because everybody's a follower and they hear one thing, they read a headline, they don't even read it, they just see it and boom, oh my God, he's fighting. Where in reality, if you use some damn common sense and actually pay attention to it, I think you nailed it. I think he clearly is frustrated with being asked from everybody. And that was an outlet 
to show it by using drop in an F bomb on his own show with Jim Gray. There's no hostility there. And I would go a step further. I don't even think he was frustrated. I think he went into it like, oh boy, I'm going to be asked. I got like, you know, he's like, he, Jim Gray has to ask me. I know I'm going to get asked. I'll just give this kind of cheeky answer here just to, you know, well, put I, don't an think, end to it. I don't think he was frustrated by Gray or that. I think just in general, like it's yeah, all anybody's. But he knows for. it. Listen, he's smart. He knows it's part of the territory. Of course, of course. Yeah. But still, like, you know, if I were busting your chops about something or you busting my chops about something, I'm like, look, I can't fucking come over for the Super Bowl because my wife right. got me by the tail. Like that. That's we. we <laughs> <laughs> like, that's it. I'm not going to say that publicly, but maybe on my own show with you, I can say that. That's where it is. That's exactly what you would say. Oh my god! I, I love to, but I can't get out of the fucking yeah. house. Oh my god! My life is ending now because right. there's no more excuse. There's no more. Sorry, I can't go to your it brother's actually, house because football. Despite being hysterically funny, it's actually like a good analogy. Like I feel like him and Jim Gray have done that show for years. They did that show for years before it was on Sirius XM. Tom used to do halftime. Like they've known each other for like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever it is. So that's how he said it to him. Right, oh my I god, agree. It's too funny. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, let's talk about the NFL playoffs here for a little bit. Um, I had said last week, I just want to, you know, I always like to give myself credit when I'm right and then not mention it when I'm wrong. (laughs) I had said last week I like the three underdogs and the Niners and only the Giants screwed that up for me. So three and one was a nice weekend. Um, I it was a bloodbath for me on Sunday. I like both the Bills and Cowboys. It was ugly. The Bills game is still to me a complete mystery. There Did you like, hit the over with the Bills for the year? By the way, 
Yeah. You must have, right? Yeah. The yeah. Bills game on Sunday was a mystery because how do you, if you're the Buffalo Bills, how are you just scoring 10 points? People making it like the snow. And how about the, the fact that the Bengals offensive line, see that line to me made no sense. That's why it was all, all over the Bills because it just did not add up. If it were four, right. if it were three, maybe I'd feel differently. But the fact that there was a public push to where that line went to six plus points and you're hearing about the offensive line, anything but that was one of the greatest offensive line performances I've ever seen. Burrow didn't get touched. He was carving them up all day long. They couldn't stop him. And then, and then you had the Cowboys? Yeah, I like the Cowboys. And then once Dak throws that first horrible pick, and it should have been worse, you just <laughs> knew. And even Maher missing the friggin' extra point. I know it didn't end up costing him, but it just set a bad tone. It, look, it was a close game. Hurt. Yeah, yeah, right. Pollard yeah. getting hurt. They couldn't stop him in the end. They just ran the ball down their throat. They scored the difference-making touchdown. And then that was that. But the Bills one bothered me because I thought that the real Bills would show up. Not that I was like everybody else picking them to win the Super Bowl, but I was – you know what I came away from that game saying – the Bengals were by far the better team, like by far, not even close. Yeah. yeah. It's so the Bengals and chiefs thing to me is so weird because I feel like it, there's like, it keeps shifting. Like people don't talk enough about the chiefs and it's, you know, Burrow wasn't right. getting enough credit. Like he keeps going back and forth. I do think it's interesting. Um, the line opened with the chiefs minus one or minus one and a half. It went to Bengals minus one. Then it went to Bengals minus two. And then on today on Wednesday, all the reports were that Mahomes practice, he seems fine. Now the line's down to Bengals minus one. I do this is a big theme with you with the respect. This I do think it's a little disrespectful that the Chiefs are underdogs at home after the winning 13 games and being in the you know title games and Super Bowls every year. I feel like everybody, myself included, after watching the Bengals just dominate Buffalo, said at that moment, this team is winning the Super Bowl. Right. Now, that may be the case, but everybody's feeling that way. That means I would probably lean the other way. And you're right. It's to a point now. How the hell is Kansas City? You could say it's a pick em. You won't want to give me Kansas City minus one. You cannot have the Bengals as a favorite on the road in the championship game against Kansas City. I, I think it's... Well, that's the thing. I think it's, you know, the Mahomes an ankle is is really what it's all about. And I, I have, a, you know, to me, I look at it like I'd be curious for you to take on this. Like to me, that game's going to start Sunday and the average Joe Schmo sports fan like me and you sitting at home watching that game on TV. We're not going to really know what his ankle's like. We don't know. Well, you mean we don't, we're the, gonna, pain? the pain? Can he plant his foot? Can he, you know, throw? Full strength. Right, but did it get worse? I mean, because we did see him perform. <clears throat> it was a little limited, but he was still basically Patrick Mahomes. You know, it's not like Lamar Jackson. Nah, out see, there I don't I didn't think he was in that second. If you watch, if you watch, he throws a touchdown pass and it falls to the ground because he's in pain. And he had a very right. hard time planning. Well, he was definitely in pain. And remember, he couldn't, you know, drop back three steps or whatever to, to hand it off. And the right. timing of it was messed up. He was hopping around. He was right. definitely hampered, but he was still effective let's put it that way oh he, yeah yeah patrick, he can be effective you know, patrick mahomes 50 percent is yeah almost 100 percent better than everybody else <laughs> right my point is he can be effective he i don't think he's gonna be i'm gonna be 100 percent. Right. i mean this may shock you i'm not a doctor but like i can't see how you hurt your ankle that badly and then a week later you're a hundred percent i mean I, right. that's my point i don't when that game starts is he 90 percent is he 70 percent is he 50 percent we're not going to know that i mean we'll know it once the game starts but going into in it, my mind as of now i haven't even <laughs> let that 
factor in how I view that game. Because if I'm thinking that he's at all limited, then I think that that that's why people are going to be on the Bengals, thinking that Mahomes, the Mahomes effect. All right. And that's, so that's we're taping this on Wednesday night, right? As of now, Bengals minus one total, forty-seven and a half. What do you like? Um, God, I'm. I'm you can say know, nothing. Before. You don't have to be an animal. And, you know, I mean, no, if you don't like I, a well, line, you not, say you don't like a line. I don't do the over-unders. Honestly, these games this week, A, I haven't given it too much thought yet on Wednesday. B, I'm still shell-shocked from the bath I took on Sunday. I, I'm going to do something because I want to have action on these games. I just don't know what yet. And I think I want to root for Cincinnati to win it all. My gut would be saying Cincinnati, if not for now the overwhelming flip in the public. So push comes to shove, I'll probably end up with Cincinnati. But maybe I'll take them as a future to win the Super Bowl as opposed to just in this game. Yeah, I hate I hate the game from the standpoint of I love both Mahomes and Burrow. I don't want to, you know, I want to see both of right. them win. So I'm I'm torn from that standpoint. Do you have a um, matchup that you want to see? Super Bowl matchup? Like do you um, like Reed versus the Eagles? I think that's cool. Bengals, I mean, Niners, listen, you get the little history. The Bengals deserve a title. I'd like to see Mahomes win it because I like the thought of a dynasty. Um I, I think we really could have... fuck the Eagles. I want Sirianni out. He's got such a punchable face. Why do you like want Sirianni him. out? I oh, I can't stand. Do you really? Yeah. I like I'm guys that come in movie. and like, you know, they mocked him when he first started with his press conference. The dumbest thing in all the sports, people evaluating the first press conference from a coach in any sport. So he got ripped for his press conference. Now he's got the team in the Super Bowl. I like that little bit last week where he yelled not at yet. the people on the sidelines. Oh, right. Not yet. I should. Yeah. I mean, I think I do think the Eagles will win. Um, I did so like I, that. He I did like that. He played uh, before the game. He showed eight mile the end of the eight mile. The rap scene with that. That's right up your alley. No, oh, that is up my alley. Why and, do you uh, dislike him? Um, Because I think he is arrogant and annoying and at times disrespectful. And because he's the head coach of a Philadelphia team. And I don't really like Philly. I mean, you're a Falcons fan. I don't know. Yeah, I hate the you're Eagles. You're all worked up about the Eagles. All right. I hate yeah, the I, Eagles. I don't see any of that with Sirianni. I find him likable. Um, really? Yeah. Hmm. Um, I do love the Eagles in the game minus two and a half. I just think I don't want to take anything away from Brock Purdy. His two road wins were at Seattle and at Las Vegas. He's going to go into this stadium with, you know, 80,000 people as drunk as they could possibly be mm -hmm. against a defense that had a million sacks. Now, listen, I, the one thing about the Niners is, I mean, they have so many weapons with McCaffrey and Kittle and Samuel and Ayuk. But I think the Eagles are sort of like that magic carpet ride team this year. And I just think, you know, people can fawn over Purdy all they want. He's a rookie going into the NFC title game on the road. I don't even think, I mean, I don't think he's played on the East Coast in his career. They, I mean, this they is going to be a really whole new ball game for him. Yeah, I agree. And the Niners haven't even been challenged. The Dallas game was the biggest challenge that Purdy has. And he didn't play great. Today. Right. I, I don't even, I don't think he looked good in Seattle against the Seahawks in that game, early on in that game. I, I'm with you here. If I had to – now, I'd be, I'm rooting for the Niners. I like Kyle Shanahan. I like the Niners, the way that they built that team up. But I think Philadelphia is clearly the better team. 
even though I've been disrespecting them all year long and thinking the Niners were the better team. Um, but after what they did to the Giants, they showed that, you know, there's no rust. Hurts looking healthier. They're good defensively. They're good in the trenches. I think Philadelphia wins that game. Here's it's it's a very weird conference championship Sunday from this standpoint. We ha- the cream has risen to the top. We have the four best teams in the NFL. I love the matchups. They should both be great games. Wouldn't shock me if either of the four teams won. Wouldn't shock me if any of these four teams won a Super Bowl. I mean, if you look right. at the odds in Vegas, they're all even. It should be a phenomenal day of football. I guess what I don't like is I don't have there's to me. I mean, you have this beef with Nick Sirianni. I have nothing to root against. There's nothing here really for me to root against. I love Burrow. I love Mahomes. Um, we'll root against you know, Philadelphia. It's easy. But uh, there's no reason to root against Philadelphia for me. I have no. You know, I'm I'm You're I'm friends New with New York. Yeah, but I mean, I don't care about the Jets and Giants. Yeah. Right or the Phillies I like J- I like Jalen Hurts. I like Jalen Hurts. I love me too. I, I'm a big fan of Jason Kelsey because of his podcasts. Yeah, look, no. I get it. Truth be told, outside of the punchable face for Sirianni, I really don't have uh, hatred either to yeah. either of these teams. Like last year in the Super Bowl, I was rooting so hard for the Bengals to beat the Rams because I, you know, me they too. brought in Matt Stafford and the, uh, it was Odell. The- yeah, even yeah, back yeah. of uh, McVeigh, I don't love. I- I'm with you. I'm rooting <laughs> hard for the Bengals. Yeah. Um, I'll probably right. root for them. Not rooting against anybody, but I think I am going to end up rooting for the Bengals. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I'd have, I'd be very happy if the Bengals won. I'd be very happy if the Chiefs won. Like I, you know, right. no, I'm rooting for the AFC. I'm an NFC pro- guy that's rooting for the AFC. Since I like both teams, I'll probably just root for the over. Since I don't want to root against one of them. <laughs> um, this might be right. this might be a weekend where I follow your lead with the team total points over. I like that play. Maybe. I had the Bengals last week over 21 and a half. That was a nice easy. That was the only team total I bet last week. Right. It's a good one. You could root for yeah. every team. Just bet they're yeah. over. Yeah. All right, Sal. Um, All right. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think we covered a good chunk of stuff. You have any we topics? We got a lot in today. I would also like to just say this. I When Elon Musk put Twitter, I really didn't care. Everyone was freaking out, losing their minds. I was just like, whatever. Twitter's going to be. This MFR though shut down the app Echo Phone, which I have always used on my phone instead of Twitter. So he shut down all of like the third party apps like Tweetbot and Tweet something, like all these third party apps that people use because the actual Twitter app stinks. And he shut it down. It has caused havoc in my life. And now I wouldn't be upset if bad things happen to him. That's all I gotta say. Do, delete the Twitter and just let's all be happy with all life. By Why, the way, you when deleted they take Twitter? Out- when are they taking our blue check marks away? I don't know. But you're on no. Twitter. You posted your your rankings of your soundtracks, which was a little rough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I never saw you. You shot me the purple rain yeah. thing. I've, I've never seen that. You're not a Prince guy? No, I like Prince, but I don't know. Hey, look, these That's rankings, a- it's it's like a it's a spoof. You know how it is. Of like course. People get so you should see the hate that I got. For my Rocky well, ranking. For, for people who don't know, just in case you don't follow Sal on Twitter, you can follow him at, at Sal underscore Lakata, but don't tweet him because he gets mad if you tweet him anything negative. He'll block you. <laughs> he he randomly today tweeted out his top five soundtrack movie soundtrack songs. And when I saw the list, I, I wasn't like, oh, this is a bad list or this and that. It just it immediately struck me that you left off Purple Rain. That was that was my only response. Right. And there's a lot of the, the popular one that people were saying that it left off was the one from Top Gun. Which I don't even remember. Oh the, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's a billion of them. There's a billion great ones. 
I, I threw well, in Secret of the Ooze, the uh, ninja rap by Vanilla Ice, just to you know, get some. I didn't even going. know what that one was. Yeah, my beef was I had no idea what number five was, which was that. Right. And that god awful song with Lady Gaga. Bradley Wait Cooper. a second. You don't love The Star is Born and that oh, soundtrack? God, no. That song is no, no. Shallow. It's a fantastic song. Lady Gaga gives me goosebumps. Oh, my I God. I love her. How old you are you? I, like I Because you know why? I grew up in the 80s and I saw the original Lady Gaga act. Her name was Madonna. She's just copying oh. everything she does. So, like, you know. Yeah, but she's Lady Gaga's got a real voice. Madonna doesn't yeah. have that. Right. Mm. But. Madonna was around for like 30 years before Lady Gaga. Did you did you watch A Star is Born or no? No. You oh come on, you gotta see it. First of all, it's it a remake. A great... If I watch it, I'd watch the original. Yeah, I know. I want to go back and do that. But this was a great one. This was a great one. At least you put the karate kid song on the list. As long as that's on the list, you're okay. Both of those. Uh, you're, you're the, the best, best and, is uh, the one. Yeah. Young, young, uh, young hearts, which is fantastic. <laughs> I don't all like right. you, doing you two, like Rocky, I don't right? I don't like doing two. The the movie Rocky, yeah, all of them. I've only seen. I definitely seen three, maybe four. You don't know the Rocky movies. This is I just said I've seen I've seen three, maybe which is the one with the Russian. Four. Then I've seen four. Okay. I've seen four. Yeah. Oh, I've God. seen four. You you need I've a Rocky marathon. Aren't there only five? No, there's Rocky Balboa, and then there's Creed that comes. Those after. are the but new, yeah, the I mean, new Fakakta ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm talking about they're good the, movies. I'm not Rocky saying Rocky Balboa. You'll like Rocky Balboa. It's a good one. It's, it let me be cl- let me be clear. I'm not saying they're not good movies, but <clears throat> excuse me, the real Rocky movies are the ones where Sylvester Stallone is fighting, not where he's 100 years old. So for right, me, okay. there's five Rockies. I don't think I. What was the fifth one? What's this? Where he fought Tommy Gunn in the street. My ring's outside. He fought Tommy Gunn in the street. You know Tommy Morrison. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I probably saw that one. Yeah. (laughs) I definitely saw the first four. Probably saw five. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That that list was better than the soundtrack list. Yeah. (laughs) What's another list you got? You got another list coming up. No, I just I noticed though that I did this two years ago during the pandemic. It's like the Olympics with me. Every two years, I watch the Rocky movies in order and rank them. Here's what I find funny about this: there's no one. I've said this before. There's no one I know that hates Twitter or has more bigger or has bigger issues with Twitter than you. And then you're out there putting out lists, which is literally the number one thing to put on Twitter if you want people to come back and attack you. Yeah, I don't even read. I just it's to me it's fun. At that point, that's where I'm. You know, I do it to. It's a good format to to put that stuff out there, but it's also trolling. Like no, I you know going in, nobody is going to like your list. Simple as that. Screw Well, no, the majority of people are gonna have something to say. How can you put this one over that one? How well, can you put this song on the list? That's my well, point. What about and this you song? and you did it anyway, despite the yeah. fact that you say you hate Twitter. But I did it with a smile as opposed to a shock that I'm getting well, that's good. bombarded that's good. for saying. Yeah, you like, seem you know, very zen about it. I'm happy about it. Usually you, you, you're all riled up. You seem zen about it. I'm glad. That's your friend. Yeah, I like. I'm in all a right. good spot. All right. Now. Maybe next week we'll uh, read some Apple reviews. So enjoy uh, Sunday AFC NFC title games. I'm going to I'm going to bet Philly minus two and a half. And I'll probably bet over 47 and a half in the Bengals Chiefs game. I'll bet Philly and. Probably the Bengals. Not sure. All right. Sounds All good. Right. All right. Be well. Talk to you later. Bye. 
All right. My thanks to Jason McCourty and Sal Licata. If you enjoyed the episode, leave us a review on Apple. We'll read it uh, during a train of thought segment in one of the near episodes. And uh, make sure you subscribe to the SI Media Podcast. Most important thing is to subscribe. If you're not a subscriber, you enjoyed the show, hit the subscribe button and check out some past episodes. Chris Long was on the pod last week. Trey Aikman two weeks ago. Jim Miller three weeks ago. Check those out in the archives. And again, subscribe to the SI Media Podcast. All right. Appreciate you guys listening. Enjoy the NFC and AFC title games. We'll see you next week right here on the SI Media Podcast. Stay safe and take care. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.